I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. The JMAC News Show. Fearless. Honesty. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Jay McFarland. Fearless. Fearless. About the stories that really matter on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the Jay Mack News Show. I'm Jason Perry, the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics, filling in for Jay this afternoon. We're glad to have you with us. Particularly grateful to have in this segment Natalie Gochner, who is the director of the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, the premier policy institute in the country, particularly when it comes to issues that matter to us in the state of Utah. Natalie, thank you for joining us. Happy to be with you, Jason. How are you doing today? Uh, doing very well. Uh, we're going to jump into something that I, I think is so interesting that you have had a role in in your career in government. But let's talk about the census for just a moment, the 2020 census. And you, of all people, are going to be able to tell us today why it is important for us. Well, uh, it's the largest peacetime mobilization of the federal government. So every year that ends in zero... 2010, 2020, our uh, federal government con- conducts a complete enumeration of the people in our country. And this enumeration is first and foremost used for representation in government, right? So it helps with the apportionment of how many representatives do you get? How do you draw these boundaries to get uh, one person, one vote? It also is incredibly helpful for funding. And so, you know, Latest estimates, Utah received $5.7 billion from federal programs that are guided by decennial census counts. So it means money to our state. And then also, let's not forget how important it is for planning. So you need to know who you are, where you are, your characteristics in order to make uh, good decisions, whether you're in the private sector or in government. I think it's interesting to hear that long list of things that are a byproduct of this census. And it's just curious that so many think that if you are not about to get another congressional seat during that apportionment process, then maybe it's not worth participating in some way. This is much bigger than that. It absolutely is. And, you know, I think a good way for Utahns to think of it is we have the most distinctive demographic profile of any state in the country. We're the youngest state, we have the largest household sizes, we're rapidly growing, we're diversifying, and so this is the chance we have to understand who we are. 
and uh, it's pretty hard to make good decisions in all facets of community life if you don't have this basic information. And I would say in a state that is changing and growing as much as Utah is, it's even more important. Well, that is so true, which is why uh, I think we should spend a second talking about some of the efforts to add a particular question to this census. Uh, As 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 many know, uh, uh, President Donald Trump was looking to add a question about citizenship to to the census, and the Supreme Court decided in a five four decision to not allow it. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if if it had gone forward, what do you think the impact would have been? Well, I mentioned that it's the largest, you know, mobilization of the federal government uh, other than war, and it's because it there's so many households, so many people to count, and it is a complete enumeration. So this is not a survey. This is not a guesstimate. This is going to every household in America and getting basic uh, demographic information. And so, um, you know, in a, in a way that... Uh, you know, I think it's only logical to understand you're, it's hard to get a complete count. And if you do things that um, make people shy away from being represented or uh, make them hesitant to respond because they're worried of what the ramifications would be, it, it affects the count. And either you get an undercount or it's more expensive to get the count because you have to go to more means to find these people and to get them counted. And that's what they do in a census. They, in this census, they will every household in you know urban areas at least will receive a postcard and be asked to fulfill, to fill out uh, a, an online survey about who's in your household. If you don't respond to that, census workers will call you. If you don't respond to the calls, they'll show up at your door. So this is the kind of work that happens. And in rural settings, they basically do a drop on every, you know, on at every home of the card to get people to fill out. So, you know, when you, um, when you add a question that um, takes a certain portion of the population and uh, puts fear in them about responding for the ramifications, uh, it can be either expensive or you get an undercount. And just one more comment there, Jason, the Constitution does require a count of all persons. It doesn't specify whether you're a citizen or not. And so if you're complying, if you're being consistent with the Constitution, you have to get everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about the, the, the president on, on that very question about how we get to everyone. Uh, this this week, he, he said that he's not going to pursue that question any longer on the census, but has said that he is going to get this information in an alternative way through federal agencies. Uh, do they have this kind of information, and, and how is it helpful when it comes through that source? Right. Well, you know, so it was it was uh, this week uh, the president signed an executive order, and he essentially said, you know, as a practical matter, it's not possible at this point to include a citizenship question on the 2020 count. That's because of the court ruling and because of the time it would take to appeal, and they actually have to start printing uh, all of the material. Um, apparently, they print 1.5 billion pages of printed material to conduct the 2020 census. So this is part of the impracticality of delaying any longer. And uh, so what will happen, uh, what the president's interested in is um, informing uh, the Voting Rights Act, and that was the rationale for collecting citizenship information at a small level. And uh, I want to be clear, the census already does ask citizenship questions. They do it in the American Community Survey. They do it through survey data, but it doesn't give you the small area detail that you need. And so 
what the president's asking is for um, federal agencies to the maximum extent permissible under law to share administrative records that would help them understand this data. I really don't know how much data there is there, but uh, apparently there must be something. Uh, And what, what can happen in terms of policy with that information from those agencies? Well, um, you know, what they're trying to understand is where you have um, diverse populations, where you have uh, citizens, where you have undocumented people, so that you can get the right denominator when you're figuring out uh, who's voting, who's not, what are voting rates, um, are we reaching uh, the people we need to reach. And, of course, if you're not a citizen, you're not eligible to vote. So they, they want to be able to, you know, take that out of the out of the numbers. All right. Such great analysis as always. The whole state is grateful for the work you do at the Gardner Policy Institute. Natalie, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, real pleasure. And if I could just say one last thing, Census Day is April 1 of 2020, and these forms will start showing up in March, and people need to get ready, and let's fill out our forms and get a great count for Utah. It's on the calendar now. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us uh, and listening to the JMAC News Show. I'm Jason Perry. Stay tuned as we get to have a conversation with Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. JMAC. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.